Table for One, Episode 12, our 2016 Solo Gaming Gift Guide. Hey everybody, welcome back to Table for One. This is Episode 12. Uh, this is Anthony here, and uh, once again we have Jason on the show with us this week. Yo, peoples, what's up? Alright, so what we're going to do this week is a gift guide. Now, uh, if you're listening to Board Gamers Anonymous, you know that Chris uh, pulled off the Herculean effort of the annual gift guide on his own, since everybody else had the flu. Um, and uh, what we wanted to do is kind of do a, a, a companion piece to that for solo games, just because um, there's a lot of great stuff out there, and there's a lot of good options to choose from, kind of not the big ones that we talk about all the time. And if you are listening to this on the Board Gamers Anonymous feed, uh, before I dive in too deep, I just want to introduce real quick the show, what we do every week, and uh, just you know, kind of let you know what you're listening to, because this is not Board Gamers Anonymous, as you may have noticed from the different music. Uh, so this is Table for One. This is a weekly podcast about solo games and solo gaming in general. Uh, and so every week, Jason and I get together and we talk about some of the solo games we've been playing lately, uh, some of the topics that are important to us, and then, you know, some interesting discussion topics related to solo gaming in general, what makes sense to spend money on, what doesn't, uh, what kind of experiences really make a lot of sense to play by yourself at the table versus maybe with other players, uh, and kind of give you a sense of the, the other side of gaming that's away from, you know, the larger groups that we generally talk about on Board Gamers Anonymous. So this will be the one episode we throw in the feed. Uh, if you like it, Hop on over to the Table for One podcast feed. It is in iTunes as well, and it's also on BoardGamersAnonymous.com, so you can subscribe either place and listen to the show, and uh, we really appreciate it. So thank you for listening, and hope you enjoy the show. All right, so with that, we're going to dive in, and we're going to talk about this week some of the specific games we wanted to recommend uh, as potential gifts either for you know the somebody in your life that you think might enjoy solo gaming or for somebody who you know enjoys games in general um, and you want to make sure you give them something that they can play with their group and enjoy and have fun, you know, as a multiplayer game, but that also has a solo option. So that's kind of what we're aiming for in this week's gaming, uh, in this year's uh, gift guide. Yeah, what we're trying to do um, is we're covering a wide range of types of games. So, um, you know, uh, sometimes you could play a Euro game solo, sometimes you could play a cooperative game solo, we're trying to, you know, uh, heavy games, lighter games, uh, give you a good selection of that. And we're also trying to give um, a little bit of a deeper dive, like Anthony was saying. Uh, these are games we try to hard to kind of think outside the box. Uh, with my list in particular, I chose games maybe you've heard of, but maybe you don't know about a solo mode. Either it's in the game or there's a variant that's really good that I've tried in particular. So, you know, uh, just a different take uh, on some of these gift guides, which would be... know we thought it was a good idea yeah i think it'll be a lot of fun and it's the kind of thing that this is always (laughs) this is always how i know that uh, a topic will be interesting is oh i wish i'd thought of that and someone else had published that you know so i could have listened to it last year the year before when i got into solo gaming so that's for kind of what we were hoping to offer you guys this time around is you know something interesting and different not the usual games that we're always talking about so with that said we're going to start the show with the usual games that we're always talking about. <laughs> Give it to him, man. <laughs> so instead of giving you a gift guide that is just all the solo games that you've already heard of, even if you're new to solo gaming 
and you've hopped into the one-player guild on Board Game Geek or one of the solo gaming groups on Facebook, you've seen these games. You know that they're out there. You've probably heard us talk about them. We've mentioned each of these games multiple times in the last five weeks, guaranteed. So rather than include them in our list, we're just going to get them out of the way real quick and make sure that you know they're there. And if you haven't heard of them, go check them out. These are the probably the best for at least some people, uh, solo games on the market right now. They're the most well-known, that's for sure. Uh, and uh, they're worth mentioning, but they're not going to be like specific games on our lists. Right. Um, so we're looking at uh, Onirim, Friday, a Hostage Negotiator. On the, those, so those would be on the lighter side. Uh, we're looking at Mage Knight on the heavy side. And uh, what was the last one we agreed on? Lord of the Rings. Yes, so Lord of the Rings on the you know heavier side. Uh, you get those five games, you are pretty much covered. You got dice rolling, you got card play, you got beautiful style, you got thinky, you know, long play. Uh, you got an opportunity to spend a giant amount of money with Lord of the Rings. <laughs> uh, you, you, you can you could do really well and just you know pause the episode, go buy those games if you don't already have them, and just you know get going just on that. I consider that kind of the Mount Rushmore, the five-headed Mount Rushmore of uh, solo games. Yeah, absolutely. These are the five that I'm pretty sure these five are the ones that I owned first. And for a while, these are the only ones I had. Um, and there's a couple alternatives there. Like if Onirim isn't your style, you got Sylveon and Castellion. If Mage Knight isn't your style, you got Star Trek Frontiers. If Lord of the Rings isn't your style, you've got Arkham Horror, the card game, which we just talked about last week. So... You're a couple options there to, to mess around with, but in general, these five games are the place to start if you have absolutely nothing on your shelves that plays solo. All right, let's get into our um, our other games. Yeah, so this is our this is the actual gift guide. These are the games that we're going to recommend. So we each picked out five, and as Jason said, these are games that um, aren't necessarily designed just for solo play. They're not the kind that you maybe heard of as the pinnacle of solo gaming. These are multiplayer games with either official or unofficial fan-made solo variants that we wanted to pick out and highlight that particularly enjoy. So I'll go ahead and let you kick off, Jason, uh, with your first game on the list. All right, so my game is probably the... Uh, I'll kick off with probably the lightest game on either of our lists. Um, certainly kids' game category. Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. Yes, that is right. Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters. This game was designed by Brian Yu in 2013. And brought to the U.S. by Mattel. Uh, the original German game. Oh, I love this name. Geister Geister Schatzutmeister. Oh, my God. That is a mouthful to say. Uh, so you can pick up that copy of that version of the game. You can pick up that game. Or you could pick it up as um, a game called Ghostbusters Protect the Barrier, which is the same exact game. But I like Ghost Fight and Treasure Hunters because I like the name better. And it has better component quality. Uh, so this is a really simple uh, cooperative game, so easy solo mode, very easy to pick up and just throw it on the table without too many extra rules. Um, very simple. You're, you're, you're a bunch of treasure hunters moving around the board. You're using roll and move, which is ordinarily not that great, uh, but in this game, it just it's fun, and it's a little bit intuitive for the kids to pick up. You know, When I play this with kids, they just naturally gravitate towards roll and move, so it's like, alright, just rolling with the flow there. Uh, you're picking up gems in different little rooms, and you're getting out. Uh, however, after each turn, you draw a card and you put a ghost in a room. You get three ghosts in a room and it becomes a haunter. So, yay, that's very pandemic-y. Um, but with enough of a twist in that you're gathering these gems and getting out, 
Uh, and in order to deal with the extra special ghost, you have to team up, uh, which is pretty cool. You have, like, you know, adult and kid. Oh, I'm going to team up and take out this guy and everything. Uh, as a solo, it's it holds up. It's, you know, it holds up as well as Pandemic or Food Nile and that stuff holds up. Uh, great for the family, great for yourself. Maybe a little bit too light for a really hardcore gamer, but still pretty good, especially with the advanced mode where you get these harder cards. And also, if you have a kid 8 to 12, they might want to play it solo. Wow, how awesome would that be to get your kids early hooked in the solo game? So Ghost Fighting Treasure Hunters is my first pick. All right, yeah, that's one I wanted to try out. And I, I think I saw the Ghostbusters version at Toys R Us or something and then heard on Dice Tower that it's the same game. And I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe I'll pick up the cheap Ghostbusters version because that's available. Uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the better component quality like you know we talked about this in a couple episodes ago uh with solo games they get played a lot so i like the you know um better plastic and all that stuff yeah that makes perfect sense especially if kids are going to be banging it around yep all right so my first game on the list is paperback from tim fowers this is a game that i owned for several months and didn't realize had a solo variant um like it a lot actually it's Probably one of my favorite deck builders. I love word games in general. And it's the kind of word game that is not brutally punishing to people who um, aren't as confident in their vocabulary. So I can get other people to play it, uh, unlike Scrabble or some of those other games that I also like. So one day I was you know, looking around the guilds on uh, Board Game Geek and I saw a challenge for paperback solo. And I was like, oh, cool, someone made solo rules. Nope, they're in the book. Uh, I did not realize that. So <laughs> uh, whipped it out gave it a try. It's very simple the way it works. You just, all you're doing is you set up the different fame cards and you will be adding cubes to them, you know, with each turn to, um, you know, basically it's like a timer and you need to be able to buy all of the fame cards before you hit five cubes on any one of those cards. Um, so it's fairly easy to start because you have them in a pyramid and there's a lot of cards to place the cubes on, but eventually you get down to a handful of cards and it's going to rank ramp up pretty quickly. So you need to be able to play those longer cards, um, the, the higher scoring hands, uh, by the time you get to the end of that pyramid. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to purchase them before you run out. It's very simple as a solo implementation, but I have a lot of fun with it. It's a great way to practice the game. It doesn't take very long. It is, I mean, it's the only solo word game I can think of, and yet it works so well. Uh, and those cubes come in the box with the game, so it's designed to be played that way. It is a lot of fun. If you like word games, if you like deck builders and are looking for one with a good solo mode uh, that isn't necessarily like a you know co-op style legendary deck builder, uh, this is one worth giving a shot. What did you think those cubes were for, dude? I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> They're right there. I know. Like you open the box and he just got, you know, got all that stuff jammed in there and it all fits fine. I... I don't know. There's enough space in the box that you think maybe there's expansions coming, which hasn't hasn't happened yet. But I think maybe the cubes are for that. I don't know. It it took a long time to figure that out. <laughs> right in the rules. Yeah, I, I definitely I I gravitate towards that. I love that solo too. So um, okay, my next game. Uh, this game is a. It, I reached a little bit deeper for this. It's very uh, very much off the radar. Uh, but it's called The Adventure of D. That is The Adventure of the Letter D. Designed and self-published by Jack Darwin in 2010. Uh, so this is actually not in print right now. However, 
you can go to jackdgames.com and buy a PDF of it for six bucks. Uh, the whole game kind of fits on that PDF, so it kind of gives you a sense of what uh, the game is about. Uh, or he actually offers a nicer print-and-play version, uh, better card stock, all that kind of stuff for 25 bucks. Um, in this game, I would ca- I'll classify this game as a very, very, very mini Mage Knight. Uh, you're going around the land, which is represented by cards. Uh, it's card-driven movement like in Mage Knights. You can't go anywhere without playing a card. Uh, you can't fight without playing a card. You can't explore without playing. All that stuff is card-based. Uh, there's a system for refreshing your hand. Uh, and you're just walking around. You're doing different stuff. You're gathering special herbs. You're giving them to the fairy. You're um, beating monsters. You're accomplishing feats of skill. And ultimately, you're boosting your stats so that you can eventually scale the Necromancer's tower and beat him. Uh, very quick. Uh, you can play it multiplayer. It's a, it is a competitive game uh, by nature. But the solo mode is basically you're doing it on a timer, which really challenges you to be efficient uh, in terms of knowing what spots to hit, uh, calculating the right amount of um, resources you need in order to you know go get the re- go get the necromancer, making sure your hand management is really good. It is really fun. Um, so if you're looking for a really small offbeat take on an adventure game. Uh, something that kind of scratches that adventure, you know, Legend of Zelda itch in the solo mode, I would recommend The Adventure of D. Yeah, this is one I've never heard of, so it, I'm probably going to go print it out now. It sounds great. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. I actually found it on a Rado list. Huh. Uh, he, he tends to have a little bit of a different take on these solo things, so I, I, I once I found it, I um, contacted, you can actually contact the designer himself and he'll just send you stuff, you know, just send him some money. That's great. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. All right. So the next game on my list is one that I I think originally was on Kickstarter. In fact, I know it was originally on Kickstarter because I backed it. Um, And one of the reasons I backed it is because it had solo rules, and that's Baseball Highlights 2045. So if you've played this right now, you're like, duh, this game is great. But if you haven't played this yet, and that's a lot of people because I've introduced it to a lot of people, this is a really good game. Um, multiplayer solo whatever it doesn't matter it's just a good game it is by uh mike fitzgerald the great card game uh, developer in general <laughs> he's very good at you know making a lot of cool things happen with cards and it's one of the better implementations of a baseball uh simulation even if it's this weird sci-fi future with robots and cyborgs and natural humans who are so advanced they can play against robots uh what you're going to be doing is you basically play a very small hand of cards and that represents one game in a series. And so a single game, game, quote unquote, game of Baseball Highlights 2045 is seven small quote games. Uh, the language here is hard to, to parse, but uh, seven games in a series. And you're trying to win four out of those seven games. So when you're playing with another player and it's primarily a two player game, you would have your deck of Uh, cards with one of the starting teams and then each time you finish a game you'll be able to use the cards in your hand to buy additional cards Um, upgrade your players bring in new free agents and basically make your team better each game now in the solo game you're still doing all that uh but there's a few things that are different you can change the number of buy rounds you have so you can have it so you don't get to buy anything um you can have no buy rounds which is the hardest mode you can have one to three which is 
pretty average. You can have four, um, which is a good place to start if you're just getting into the game. And then you play against the AI, who's going to deal out a random deck of 15 cards from the free agent deck, um, which basically makes them harder to start. Now, you're still playing a, a best of seven series. The AI team is never going to change. They're never going to upgrade or buy new cards. And they're just going to draw the top card of their deck for each play. Um, some of the rules have been moved out. It's it's basically a dummy player, but it's been streamlined. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, that the best dummy players are ones that capture the essence of the game, but make it very simple to manage. This one does that pretty well. So what you have is a pretty solid, albeit kind of goofily themed uh, baseball simulation that manages to take a whole game, boil it down to five, six cards in your hand, and break that over over the course of uh, best of seven series, which takes about an hour, uh, and it works really well as a solo mode. This is one of my favorite sports-themed games, um, and it's one I just randomly pull out every now and then because it is a lot of fun to play, and if I can get other people to play as well, it's a great two-player game. And the more of these decks you buy, because there's dozens of them that have been added over the years, um, the, the better the game gets because you have more options to pull from. So that's Baseball Highlights 2045. It comes into and out of print, but it's usually around. You can you can find a copy. All right, cool. All right, my next game is Fleet. Um, <clears throat> Fleet, that is designed by Ben Pinchback and Matt Riddle, published by Eagle Griffin Games in 2012. Uh, so this is another card game. Anybody who's listened to the last couple of Table for Ones know I love my card games. Uh, as opposed to the previous game, which is an adventure game, this is more of an economic engine-building game. Uh, that has the multi-use cards uh, introduced in San Juan, if people know that, um, which also has a good, so a decent solo mode that almost made my list. San Juan's also pretty good. Uh, Race for the Galaxy, a classic. Um, there are uh, games in which the cards are money, the cards are resources, the cards are vehicles, the cards are whatever you basically a whole bunch of stuff and you kind of manage, and that's pretty much the whole game. In this game, though, I, I like Fleet better than all of them because of the theme. The theme is cute. Uh, the theme is to fish the living heck of a heck out of a newly discovered lake. Um, so you begin by holding a simple auction for license cards. Uh, the licenses give you special powers and let you launch fishing boats that catch fish. Uh, the fish are the points. Uh, the boats are the points. So there's all sorts of things going on. Um, the cards, like I said, multi-use. They're the money, and then the boats. They're the captains of the boats. Um, as you go through the game, you're building this engine where you can fish and you can use the fish to get more money and you can use the, you know, the money to, you know, uh, kind of dance your way around and stop with your opponents. Um, eventually you're going to get this giant fleet of fishing boats, which is really cool on the table. Um, because the game has a really great art style and a really great theme. Uh, that fleet wins. Whoever wins the most, fishes the best, gets the most points. Um, the expansion, which is called Arctic Bounty. Has a solo mode that pits you against a ghost player called the JP DeSantis Corporation. That one's okay. Um, I actually like a solo mode from BGG user Winterfella. Uh, you can find that on the variant section of the fleet uh, page or the fleet forum page. And it's a it's a ghost player, which we've talked about, uh, you know, back and forth. But like Anthony said, it's the best ghost player because it takes uh anything that the things that a ghost player does just kind of boils it down makes it really manageable yet still challenging uh winterfella calls this ghost player ahab uh that the game is challenging and very satisfying when you build that good engine uh which is 
uh, anytime you get these multi-use card games, that's what you're doing. You're building an engine and fleet gives you that good, satisfying experience. Good solo modes, a lot of variety, uh, cards out the wazoo, still in print. Uh, you can still find copies pretty easy. Uh, and I love the theme. So I definitely recommend Fleet uh, by Eagle Griffin and by Ben Pitchback and Matt Riddle. This is another one where I own the game and didn't realize that there were solo rules out there. So look at me learning more about solo games from the podcast <laughs> I started. <laughs> um, it's, it's actually right here on the shelf next to me, so I'm going to have to pull this one out. Use those little crab meeples. That's right. All right. So the next one on my list is... Uh, it's a Stonemeyer game, so you know it has a solo variant, as they all do, and that's Between Two Cities. So this is not one of the ones that is well known from Stonemeyer. Um, you know, it kind of snuck in between uh, releases of, I think, Tuscany, and then the next one uh, being, you know, Scythe, the mega beast of a game that came out last year, this last year. But uh, Between Two Cities is a fantastic little game, and I think what it's best known for, at least in my game group, is that it handles seven players beautifully. It's a 20 to 25 minute game that you can play with up to seven people and the time doesn't increase. That's fantastic. But what you may not know, and which I'm very happy about because it's a lot of fun, is that it has a pretty solid solo mode. Um, like all of the Stonemeyer games that have been released to date, it has solitaire rules made by Morton Monrad Peterson. And it is, I think that was a stretch goal in the Kickstarter, but the, uh, as in all of the, you know, the automas that he's created, it's very cleverly implemented. And so in this case, you have, um, the basic idea of the game is that everybody has a city between them and another player, and every round you're going to play two tiles, and you're going to choose which of those two tiles goes in which of the two cities. And then the cities are going to score based on certain criteria, like which types of buildings are next to each other and how many you have of certain types of buildings, etc. You know, certain things will score in sets, others will score in adjacencies, some will score in rows. Um, don't have to get into all that, but it's fairly simple. You can teach the game in 5-10 minutes. The solo mode is pretty much the same with a couple of small adjustments to the rules, but it adds the two automas uh, to the game. So there's going to be three cities on the, the table. You're still going to be playing to two, but then you have the automa each of the automas also playing to two. So you have kind of a, a different take on that in that you're going to use these cards you are going to tell you which things are going to come out and how they're going to be played. Um, there's a simple mode, which just streamlines things even more. Uh, I think a little too much because the standard mode is not really that complicated. Uh, and I prefer the standard mode, the full mode, just because you're going to see all of the building tiles throughout the game are going to move around a little bit more um, and you get to be a little more strategic in how you play the game. But honestly, if you're looking for a fun, quick city builder, you know, I'm not going to say it's a full blown city builder, but it's city builder light to some degree uh, and still manages to find a way to implement that drafting mechanic, even in a solo game uh, with a little bit of tweaking for the Automa. Uh, Between Two Cities really does it quite well. And it's still just a 20-minute game, even faster, honestly, once you get to know it, because you're not nobody's waiting you know, for anybody else to make decisions. So Between Two Cities, it's a real fun one, and it's, uh, it's a game that hits my table just every now and then when I have a few extra minutes and feel like building some cities. You got me on this one. I've never played this. I've barely heard of it. <laughs> I did it. So thank you, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
so my next one, um, as we kind of rise here in complexity, uh, this one is more of a straightforward Euro game. It's called Artifacts Incorporated, designed, illustrated, and published by Ryan Lockett and Red Raven Games uh, last year. So um, Ryan, this uh, Ryan Lockett, pretty respected around for basically um, the industry because he does everything, and he makes good games. It isn't just a gimmick. Uh, he's most famous for Above and Below. Uh, which is a storytelling game uh, slash Euro game. So he gets points for ambition. <laughs> uh, and uh, again, really cool art style. Uh, but this one, you know, kind of floated a little bit under the radar. I think it's excellent. Um, the way I like to describe it to people when I explain the game, it, it's 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 Indiana Jones, only it's the stuff that happens off screen. Uh, it's, the way, it's how Indiana Jones can afford all of his grand adventures. So... Um, you're basically taking all of the stuff that you find, the artifacts and everything, and you're selling them in a museum. And you're getting money, and you're making upgrades, and you're going out. You can fund more lavish expeditions for more rare jewels, which gets you more money. So you kind of go back and forth, um, building yourself up. And then, you know, like in a lot of these games, you hit a certain victory point threshold, uh, and you win. So... The kind of neat twist on the game is that it's not a straightforward kind of just place your worker. Uh, you roll dice, and the dice are the workers. Uh, so if anybody here has ever played Kingsburg, um, it's very much like that. You're taking the dice um, and placing them, and then depending on how high you roll, you'll, you'll get certain things. Um, be able to make certain upgrades. You can buy an upgrade that gets you more dice, which is more workers. Um, and, you know, so it's a little bit, uh, I'm, I'm not, and maybe I'm not describing it the best because you know I'm, I'm, I struggle to explain Euro games. Uh, they all kind of run together for me a little bit. Uh, but again, um, what sets this apart for me is the theme and the art style. I mean, it really um, looks like you're you know sending people out on an expedition and you're getting all that money and you're funding better expeditions and uh, you can even go diving. So you're diving for sunken for doubloons and sunken treasure and all that kind of stuff. So at the end of the game, you're building your tableau, and you're you're gonna have this neat little, um, basically like a museum piece, where you have all this uh, stuff, and all this stuff is giving you money and points and blah 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 blah. Um, this is not a designed to be a solo game, but uh, BGG user Ryan McManus developed us his own solo mode, or I hope it's a he. I'm sorry if you're a she. Uh, it's a really good ghost player. It's not necessarily a boiled down ghost player, but it does present kind of this order of operations. So like if you have four money on a turn, you do this. If you don't have four money, but you have this, you do that action. Uh, so like if then, if then, uh, you, you kind of go down the list of what, uh, the ghost player should do and you do it and it works and it's presented a really good challenge. I've been able to learn the game. I feel like I'm better at the game. And it's just a good game in and of itself. So I really recommend Artifacts Incorporated um, by Red Raven Games. This is one I have played, and I know there's a solo variant out there, and I just don't own the game. But it definitely sounds like something I want to try because I like Euros that you can play solo. They're a lot more fun. Um, the problem I always have with Euros playing solo, the ones that have you know kind of tacked on rules, uh, Rosenberg, is that <laughs> it's usually just how high did you score? And here's a chart. Yeah, you did fine. Uh, and that's, you know, it's a little anticlimactic. It's still fun, but then you get to the end, you're like, all right, cool. I... Yeah. Uh, and the way this, uh, in the game where, uh, for, if you've played Artifacts Incorporated, there's these museum spaces. And 
uh, in Artifacts Incorporated, the game proper, you're just kind of like, you do your thing and whatever. There's very little interaction. But the way the ghost player plays it out, you actually compete for museum spaces. So sometimes uh, they can take the space before you. So it kind of challenges you to alter your strategy so that you can hit that key museum space. You have to decide, okay, that museum's gone. The, the ghost player is going to get it. So I'm just going to focus on this. Uh, so it creates that little bit of tension that might not be there in a game where you're just kind of scoring for points. Yeah, definitely. It's something I definitely want to try out at some point. Uh, so speaking of Euro games that just have you go for a high score, <laughs> yeah. uh, my next one is Suburbia. Suburbia is one of my favorite games of all time. It's in my top 10. And despite other games coming out that supposedly do it better, I still think this one is the best, for me at least, in terms of a city-building simulation. It's just so much fun. Uh and it's, it's a game that I enjoy with any combination of the expansions, with any number of players. The app is fantastic. I will always play Suburbia. And the solo game uh, is a very good implementation. And so there's two ways you can play this solo. You can play the solo game, number one, Lone Architect, which takes about 30 minutes and you basically set it up as a two-player game, and you just run through the game and remove additional tiles after your turn. And anytime you pass a line, um, you know, in this game, anytime there's these red lines on the scoring track, every time you pass them, you lose some income and you lose some reputation. Uh, in this game, with the, this solo variant, you will lose two income and two reputation. So it really just makes it a little bit harder to ramp up your score. It's fine. That If that was the solo mode, I don't think you'd be that excited. The solo game number two is a bot. It is a dummy player uh, named Dale. Uh, and this is named for the designer of the solo mode in this, Dale Yu. And he was actually involved in the development of the Agricola solo mode as well. He also did some work on Dominion. So he's been in the game industry for a little while. And it's always fun when developers and designers bring in outside people to kind of help them build out the solo mode. Either it's something they're just not comfortable with or you know, they don't have that experience building that type of game. Um, some of the best solo modes are usually made by third parties. Uh, and so I find that really interesting. And in this case, you know, he named the bot after himself or Allspock named it after him. Either way, it's, it's kind of funny. Uh, it's always good to have a name for it because you have someone to curse when you lose. So <laughs> the Dale the Bot solo game number two, it's pretty much the same. You're going to set up, you're going to have a separate player here. Um, there's a few additions and changes to the setup rules and what's placed out there. On your turn, you're going to do um, everything that you would normally do. And the tiles that you don't buy, because there's four out there, the three that you do not buy will just stay in the market. The bot will play slightly different rules. So they're going to buy the most expensive tile available, uh, whatever's available, and they're only going to pay $3 for it which is annoying if, if it's something you want. Uh, and then they're never going to buy a basic tile. They're never going to create a lake. They're never going to play an investment marker. And these are some of the various tweaks and adjustments you can make to your own city, strategically speaking. Um, they're going to place their tile in the best possible spot. So this requires a little bit of work from the player, admittedly. And then they're going to increase their reputation income uh, when both are added together. So the... The game kind of, it flows pretty smoothly. It's not as smooth as some bots, but it's a lot smoother than others. And I would say, 
a typical uh, solo game with these rules takes 45 minutes to an hour, which is totally fine for me playing a Euro. Uh, at the end, you are still just scoring, seeing how you perform. They have a nice scoring chart in the rules here. So if you get less than 60, you're a junior intern. If you get over 135, you're CEO of Suburbia Inc. Um, I don't think I've ever gotten that high. So <laughs> at least not in the solo mode. So it is, it is very fun though. And it's a fun way to kind of explore new tactics and strategies. There are some very interesting variants of this on BGG, including some tweaks you can make to integrate the two different expansions for this game. Uh, so if you like city building or if you like suburbia, definitely, definitely check this out. I'm unfortunately on the castles of Mad King Ludwig side of the scale, man. Sorry. I, I think most people are. I, Chris and I had this argument. I don't remember. I think we actually had a versus episode for this like a year or two ago, and it was. You sure did. Yeah, I like. I might have lost this fight, but I will fight it to my <laughs> grave. It's not. <laughs> it's a better game. Okay, I'll take your word for it, man. This is not, <laughs> not the time and place. <laughs> so my last game, uh, so speaking of ramping up a complexity, it doesn't get too much more complex than this. Uh, it is Through the Ages, a new story of civilization. This game is designed by Vlada Chivato and published by Czech Games Edition. Uh, this new edition came out this past year in 2016. Um, this is not quite a quote-unquote lesser-known game, considering this game is currently ranked number two on pgg right behind the popular pandemic legacy uh however it doesn't play solo naturally so you might not have expected it to appear on a list like this um but there are a number of like with suburbia like uh anthony was saying there's a number of fan created solo variants especially for the first version uh the one i play for this version was actually built for this version it's by bgg user carrot and i really like it uh, so I'm not going to sit here and describe through the ages. We're running short on time anyway, and it's going to be a um, a big explanation anyway. But it's basically civil- Sid Meier's Civilization on a board. Y'all are playing Civ Six while you're listening to this, maybe. Um, check out the board game version of that very game. You're doing a lot of the same stuff. You're, improves- you're improving your resource output. You're feeding your people. You're building buildings and wonders. You're improving your military. And as the game progresses, the technology will improve, which means that you have to keep up. And you have to keep up in a balanced way. You have to make sure people are still fed. You have to get the better military. You have to get bigger and better wonders, however you want to win. Um, so the, this game just nails every single part of it. It's so elegant. It's um, The way it handles resources is really clever. The way it handles, you know happiness of your people the way it handles uh, military and war and aggression is really elegant just super super fun um the game uh a game could take us a couple of hours so be prepared to just lay this out and keep this away from the cat or the kids or anything um multiplayer plays even longer uh which is why i kind of prefer the solo mode (laughs) i'm not a huge fan of four plus hour games um but as a solo man this Love it, love it, love it, love it. I can't recommend this highly enough. I'm so jealous that Anthony got this as a secret Santa. This is Through the Ages, A New Story of Civilization by Czech Games Edition. Yeah, I did. That was that was a nice surprise. <laughs> <laughs> I, this is like the third year I've done Secret Santa, and usually it's, you know, whatever the price recommendations are. But this year I got a nice surprise. So I'm going to play this, and I'm very excited about it. Uh, the last game on my list is also, it's not really a civilization game, 
per se, but it is the same trappings of a civilization game. It is also the solo game or the solo variant game that I've played the most by far. And that's Imperial Settlers by Ignacy Trevicek. Uh, this is, it, I mean, I'm, again, I'm not going to run through all the rules of this game. If you want to hear my th- glowing thoughts on this game and how much I talked about it in 2014 and 2015, <laughs> um, you can hit up Board Gamers Anonymous. I talked about this game a lot, but the uh, the idea of the game is that you're building out one of i guess we're up to five civilizations now and a sixth one is shipping here pretty soon uh and you have your own unique deck and then you have kind of the generic non-faction cards and you'll build them together and build out your civilization uh while combating different uh civilizations on the table so if you're playing with other players there'll be up to four of them and you'll be building your own but also sometimes attacking the other ones if you're playing a solo mode The solo is managed by an Automa deck that will basically put up different symbols, and those symbols will determine which of your cards they're going to attack. It's very, very streamlined. It's very, very good bot, because it only takes like two seconds to manage each round, uh, and it's a game you can run through pretty quickly. It's I've told this story before in BGA, but my son, when he was two or three, would take his little dump trucks and fill it up with all the bits because there's so many bits you get every round and just like truck them over to my civilization and dump them out. We had a lot of good time, a lot of good fun with it. Uh, the, the version I wanted to talk about though, because the solo, the official solo variant is it's fun, but it is one of those play through the game and see what your score is, which is fine, but it's, you know, it gets a little samey after a while, especially once you get used to them. The version I wanted to talk about is an official campaign mode that was added by Portal Games. So this is not a fan version of um, the solo mode. It's something that Trevichek put together. You can download it off the Portal Games website or Board Game Geek, and it adds uh, border factions, it adds event cards, it adds achievements, it adds province traits, and there's a table for all these different things you can add. You know, from each game you play, there are dice in this version of the game. And I know that sounds super complicated for no reason, but the campaign rules are only two pages long, and it comes with a printout of kind of your empire sheet, which is kind of like a character sheet in an RPG, and it'll track your settlements and wood reserves and stone reserves and events that you've played and achievements you've gotten. There's a separate table that lists all the different things you can get based on your dice rules. There are no official cards uh, that come with these, but there are fan-made cards that you can download and print off and um, add to your deck based on the achievements that you get. This is really cool. If this had come packed in the game, this would be probably my favorite solo game, period, and I would recommend it to everybody. Uh, I wish they would release this as an official, like, in-your-hands expansion. As it is, it's it's print-and-play, but it is very cool. It's a lot of fun. It's a little bit of work to pull together, you got to track down some dice, but it's well worth it. And it works, in my opinion, fairly well with, you know, either of the new factions as well. I wasn't that impressed with the base, uh, the, the solo in the box. But if you're telling me this gives me another one, then I have to look at this again. Yeah, it's pretty cool. The rules are not perfect, like anything out of Portal. They're not perfect, but there's a lot of parsing of it on Board Game Geek. So you can get people to kind of walk you through how to set it up. And it doesn't add any time to the game. Uh, It still only takes about an hour to run through it in solo. But it makes every game seem like it has a purpose and you're building towards something, which is a lot more fun than, 
All right, I got 65 this time. What was my high score last time? 63, okay. So exactly the same. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's a little more fun than that. All right, so that's all 10. That is our recommendations for uh, this year's solo gift giving guide. Um, these games obviously did not all come out in 2016, but these are some of the under the radar games that we recommend if you have, if you're looking for something different, unique, or a multiplayer game that you can kind of backdoor someone into solo play with, this is the way to do it. These 10 games, so check them out. We almost got it to a half hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we almost cut it down. We'll see if I can edit it down. Probably not. You guys will be watching this and be like, mm, sorry, 34. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I almost made it last week. Just missed it by like two minutes. But uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap up, though. That is everything for this week. Uh, again, if you joined us from the Board Gamers Anonymous feed, thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. And definitely hop on over to Table for One. Uh, the, the the official iTunes feed or check us out on BoardGamersAnonymous.com uh, For everybody else thank you for joining us again once again this week uh, for another episode of Table for One We are on iTunes, we are on Google Play If you have not yet, we would love, love, love and appreciate your uh, reviews over there. Helps more people find the podcast and it helps us feel good about the work we're doing <laughs> and the podcast we're putting together you can also check us out on BoardGamersAnonymous.com. We are on BoardGameGeek, uh, Guild1735. And then Facebook and Twitter, I update those almost every day of the week. So you can respond to our question of the week or just shoot a comment or question of your own our way. Um, I can tell you this. If you have a podcast idea or a question uh, that could lead to an episode, we almost always use those. So <laughs> we would love your thoughts, uh, especially if you have a cool idea for an episode that we can work on. All right. But that is everything for this week. Uh, until next week, I will save you a seat here with Jason at this table for one. Later, everybody. Later.